1: What's up everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, Ashley has joined us to be our guest co-host. You can find her on Instagram at Ashley King Fitness. She's one of the many fitness goddesses uh, on Instagram who has done so much and has such an awesome story. Ashley, thank you so much for joining the podcast tonight.
2: Of course, always a delight.
1: Tonight on our episode, we have Shirlette. Shirlette, thank you so much for joining Real Haunting.
2: Thanks. I'm so glad to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You emailed us with a really fascinating story. So I'm so excited to interview you and hear your story. Where do you think you fall on the Believo meter? Zero meaning you don't believe in ghosts and ten ghosts are absolutely real.
3: I like to say that I register nine point eight on the B O M scale. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, I leave a little bit there for skepticism. Because it's a
1: very, a very little bit. Yeah,
3: a little bit <laughs> too much going on to say, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what actually goes on on the other side in detail. So there's a little bit of unknown.
2: Honestly, I've never even had an experience. I'm with you. I'm like all the way up on the believer meters scale. I just, I think that there can't, it has to be real. It has to be, there has to be spirits. There has to be other things going on because there's people like you that have these amazing stories.
1: Meanwhile, yeah. I thought, I thought I had an experience this morning. My toddler is uh, in his own bed now he's out of the crib. And um, so we That's have
2: scary in its own, right? Though.
1: And um, so I've put this like door chime system on his door. It's just like two magnets on the outside. So if he opens his door, it goes ding dong, wherever the, you know, the hub is. So I'd gotten up early and was actually working on some podcast stuff. And I forgot, I unplugged it from upstairs and I forgot to plug it in downstairs. So he snuck downstairs and was just waiting for me to walk by the stairs because this new thing is like trying to scare me at every turn. And so (laughs) I turned and he just went, ah! (laughs) And I screamed, and he just laughed for like five straight minutes. And I was like, oh. no,
2: "He's gonna keep doing it because oh, he yeah. he's got daddy, and oh, it's, yeah, he, it's a thrill for him." That's actually said, really smart. You have like that chime system. I wish they had that when my kids were little.
1: Oh, uh, and it's like fifteen bucks on Amazon. Take took yeah, like two minutes to install. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah. yeah, he told me. He said, "I'm gonna get you tomorrow morning and next morning." And I was like, "Great, <laughs> thanks, bud." So, so speaking of you know, young experiences. Charlotte, I would love to know your origin story with the supernatural.
3: Well, let's see. I was pretty much born connected to the other side, my mom said, because she said I I looked at something like everywhere, like there was something else there. And it wasn't that I actually like talked per se out loud to people, but um, I knew something was there and I talked about it all the time. And um, things that went on on the other side as opposed to here. and I really don't remember any of those details because she was um very much against that kind of thing. It made her very scared, and um she thought it was evil trickery of some kind. And so she kind of shut the whole thing down. But she said I would talk about things and I could tell you stuff about Jesus and I could tell you stuff about all kinds of different angels and things like that. so. From like ages one to five, I was, um, this is a trigger warning here. I was being um, abused by my father. And so I at one point had left my body during this while it was happening. And I was sitting, I just went there and I was suddenly sitting on a bench where there was, um, it was just like a white area, no, no landscape or anything. And I'm sitting on a bench and then Jesus came and sat next to me. And um, my favorite food in the whole world was saltine crackers. And so he handed me saltine crackers and we sat there and we ate saltine crackers. And then I asked all kinds of questions and but it wasn't like words. It was just talking and not actually word talking, but thoughts. And it was uh, just a knowing. I knew what his answer was and he knew what my question was kind of thing. So I, you know, I asked all kinds of questions and, but I didn't feel like a little kid. It wasn't little kid questions. It was just like, my soul is what it is now. My spirit is what it is now, but I've always been this soul. And so that's how I felt later on looking at it. Cause I didn't go through my young adult life remembering this because I got sober when I was 28 years old. So that's when I started to wake up and start to connect spiritually to the world again. See, I was like 13 or 14, and my um, best friend's brother died. They only lived a few doors down, so we would um, go hang out there all the time. So I knew him pretty good. And he got really sick and um, passed away. And then she wanted to do uh, a Ouija board. And I had previously asked my mother about one of those, once I saw it somewhere. And she said it was... Evil trickery, and it was a no. Absolutely not. Ever bring that in the house. So we did. <laughs> we did bring it in the house and snuck it in there in my room. And um, she wanted to talk to him. And I, she said, "Well, do you have anybody you want to talk to?" And I said, well, "The only person I know who's dead was my grandpa, and he was. I was four when he died, so I don't know. Um, but I'll, I'll see if I can talk to him. So we, you know, got it dark, lit a candle." and proceeded to pull everything out of the box and did not read instructions we didn't do that we were we knew everything we started to play the game and nothing happened absolutely nothing happened at least during the game you'll see a few days later we were at her place playing some cards on the floor in the family room and her big sister was there and then we were talking about the Ouija board and how that went and nothing happened and she really wanted to hear from her brother. And it was just a moment after that, his urn literally flew off of the mantle. And it was like the mantle was like five feet from us and we were on the floor. And so that his urn flew straight out and then dropped down and landed a couple feet from us. But it landed on its like it was standing up. And wow. when it went through the air, it was like standing up the whole time. And it wouldn't have, you know, it was sealed, so it wouldn't have spilled, but it still went straight down. And her sister got up and ran out of the room. No concern for us, little kids, you know, but (laughs) we teased her about that forever. But she ran out of the room and my friend and I looked at each other. We were scared to death, never seen anything like that. Yeah. So her and I looked at each other and she's like, that's my brother. And I said, um, I said, well, I think I'm excited right now. (laughs) She said, so am I. And so she had a little conversation with him and uh, I said, hi. And then she put it back on the shelf. It never happened again. And her and I just continued playing cards.
2: I have some questions. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that as a child, absolutely devastating, but that story like gave me chills because it just it's crazy to think that that really happened to you, that you you later on in life you remembered it. But for you to experience that as a child to have conversations with Jesus, like that's pretty amazing. And then the Ouija board story, the crazy way that it flew out and then dropped down, which was like so unnatural that that's that's what shook
3: me up a little bit too, <laughs> and her brother was always doing surprising things, you know, yeah,
1: surprise you all the time. So sure. So you had this experience when you were young, and you had what I think people would call you know, like a religious phenomenon. Now, it sounds like you didn't recall this till a little later in life. Did you stay a religious person from early on to that point when you got sober and started to recall these things? Or did that trigger you to become more religious? Or like, how did that reawakening of that experience affects you personally?
3: I really did not have that kind of a, um, my parents like were parents that sent us to church while they had a Sunday morning to themselves kind of thing. And um, so us kids would just go off to church and come back. But I didn't have any beliefs or anything like that. When I got sober, I reconnected because it talks about a higher power. And so I was exploring what a higher power is and what it was meant to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, listened to people, I talked to people and, and that kind of thing. And I got, and I was realizing that I had a connection that I actually felt like I had a connection to the other side and I had, you know, I could use energy and that kind of stuff. And it just kind of got stronger as I went. And so I, um. I didn't have the concept of God or Jesus or any of that sort of thing. It was basically just a spiritual connection and energy kind of thing that I. I resonate
2: visit. with that a lot because um, I got sober when I was 22 as well. And like you say, you have to think of a higher power. I've never been a religious person, but you know, I do believe in God. So I think that's amazing that you got sober at 28. That's it's still really young, you know, and yeah. Congrats to you. Thank you. And you too. Thank you. I yep. feel
1: I feel really bad that I'm having alcohol right now as we record. No,
2: this. <laughs> but that's the thing is people don't understand. I'm sure she can say too, is that like it's it's we're the ones that have the problem. We have handled it, we stay sober for ourselves. I could be around not everyone can, but I could be around people that drink, just maybe not people that excessively drink. But yeah, um, you know, it sounds like you've been through a lot in your life and you've come out on the higher side. So that's amazing.
1: Charlotte, so I, I really fascinated by these experiences because they, especially the the religious one, because that's a pretty intense you were going through something intense and you also had something of intense, you know, maybe comfort you would say happen during that. I, I just really curious, how does that impact your view of the world? Because so many of us, you know, I, I think as we grow older, we get into this place where we say maybe like, well, I'm spiritual, but I don't necessarily connect with like a specific religion or tenets of a specific religion because of you know worldly things that happen. And I don't know if I mean personally, it's hard to watch one person stand on a pulpit and believe they have all the answers. Like that's Mm -hmm. just that's just something that I personally have struggled with. But as you look back on that connection point, do you think that has colored your view of the world? Does it Has it kind of helped you accept your abilities with the supernatural?
3: When I was um, little, I was not exposed to Jesus or any of that. I didn't know anything about that. And then to have an experience where I went and sat with Jesus, it was, you know, when I look back on it later, I'm like, well, Jesus must be real. Mm -hmm. But now I think that Jesus appeared to me because that's the way the world sees that. And so Mm -hmm. that was the way that I could connect when I did remember it to the situation and um, and how I went forward with my life from there and how I went forward was working with other people. And, and then my, my, my connection just got stronger. And so I didn't put like a name on it or um, an entity on it. I just, um, I consider it an energy flow. And if I need, God or good orderly direction, then I ask for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, and I get it.
1: Yeah. It's a very mature way to look at it because for, I I would assume a lot of people and, and just, I think any of us that have had very impactful moments, they can really define big chunks of our lives. And for you to be able to look at it from kind of an objectionable standpoint, and use it as a tool through your life and not have that define who you are is that's that's super fascinating to me. So you had this happen with the urn. I think that I imagine that was pretty eye-opening especially for a teenager to see that. It I found it really cool how you and your friend were just like, wow, this is this is what we wanted instead <laughs> of just being like ah! and running out of the room like the sister did. So Where did you go from there? What was your next experience that you had?
3: Well, it was just a few days later. And when we hid the Ouija board, it was in my closet. I went to bed one night and I'll explain my room a little bit. When you are at the doorway, there's an L-shaped hallway there. And there was a very dim light that my parents kept on. And my door was open this night. And when you look in the room off to the left and against the wall in the corner was my bed. And so you had to like walk across the room in order to get to my bed. So I'm laying there and I I look over at the door and in the doorway is standing a tall dark figure that was um, just kind of backlit by that dim light. And he, I knew it was a he and had a, had a top hat and um, a long coat overcoat. And then I just felt a knowing that this is grandpa and I came to say hi and so I was like oh my gosh it worked you know and so I said hi and and he came over through the room but all I could still see was I mean his face or anything didn't like start to form through the dark or anything so he came and sat on the edge of the bed next to me and I was facing outward toward him and um, I looked up at his face and there was no face it was just black and it didn't. I didn't feel any more ill. It's grandpa. I felt evil, just evil. And I was instantly scared. And I was going to scream, but I couldn't speak, and I couldn't move. And then he, like, kept scooting over closer and closer and closer to me, and shoved me against the wall, and was squishing me, and I couldn't breathe. And I was like, I was like, really freaking out and I I couldn't yell for help or anything so I just said Jesus help me in my head and boom it was gone and um and again in there I believe the energy of that and my belief in the fact that that would work is what made it work it, you know I don't think there's an entity sitting up there going oh I will take care of this for you so um he anyhow he was gone and then I yelled for my mother and needless to say, the jig was up and she was very upset with me and I, um, of course she, she comforted me and all that stuff, you know, but she was very livid. I had to tell her where it was in my closet and she went and got it and she went and burned it. And, um, yeah, so there was, that was the end of that deal. And I, I didn't see my friend for a while, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You,
2: do you really feel like you were awake when that happened? It wasn't like one of those, um, you know, dreams, what are sleep they called? Paralysis, yeah, yeah. Sleep paralysis.
3: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was cause I've listened to, um, your podcasts and stuff and, and I've heard about sleep paralysis and I, um, I don't think it was that cause I was definitely awake. I was looking out the doorway and, um, trying to go to sleep.
1: And you called for your mom and she came. So yeah, you know, sleep no, paralysis. I just wanted
3: to
2: ask because I know some people feel like, okay, I, I almost thought at the end of that, you'd have another twist and you're gonna be like, and I woke <laughs> up, but um, that is absolutely terrifying. Not only did you have this crazy figure that you felt the evil, but it actually accosted you. It pushed you against the wall.
1: And Charlotte, so as somebody who has listened to our podcast, and I'm going to presume You know, looked online, probably listened to other podcasts as well. Do you feel like this entity was the legendary hat man or do you think it was Mm -hmm. something else?
3: I do think it was the hat man. Yeah, I think that that portal or whatever got left open and um, something came through that shouldn't have been able to.
1: Well, um, Charlotte, so I know you had other experiences as well. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty scary one with the hat man. So how did you experience the supernatural as you moved on from there?
3: My parents and I, this is a short little one. My parents and I moved and my siblings moved to this uh, small town and mom got a cocktail waitress job and dad started bartending there and I became the dishwasher and I also babysat for the people who lived there. And it was a big old house that they had somebody had turned into a a steakhouse with like a dance floor and the jukebox and the bar. And um, and so that was on the upper floor. And then the main floor was the family's home, which was very large. And then there was a basement, which was fully equipped with old tunnels that they used in prohibition. There was even an old still down there. And um, there was it was just a super creepy place. It had a lot of history, and um, and then there was, you know, reports all the time. The family had told me that when they lived there, um, I mean, they the two older sisters were out of the house by then, but the we babysat down there with for the little boy who was like three years old, and the dad would hear that he was the owner of the restaurant too, and he said that they would hear dancing. And laughing and bars, clink, uh, uh, glasses, clinking, and that kind of thing. And so he would go up to the bar door and open it and it would instantly stop. And so it was kind of, I guess, a residual thing or something, but it happened on the weekends and they finally just stopped going and checking it, you know, and um, and so there was that kind of stuff. And then I. For me to go get the ice, I had to go down um, two flights of stairs into the tunnel where the ice machine was and carry the buckets back up. And so being like you're scared to death of this place, it felt like somebody was behind me trying to get me to move and get out of there. And so I was always like carrying two buckets, five-gallon buckets of ice, and I was trying my best to get it as fast as I could, so I was just scared to death but I don't know. I never saw anything or anything was just a feeling that could have been talking up in my head. I don't know, but I was in the bathroom up in the restaurant part. There was, um, the women always, um, complained and this happened to me too, that they felt like they were getting pushed out of the bathroom. Like there's an energy in there that said, no, we don't want you in here. And you would do your business and yeah. And, um, so there was that, but my, um, Mom was I mean, my dad was the my stepdad, I should say, was the bartender and he would uh, polish all the bottles and the glassware and he would turn all the glassware upside down on their mats and then all the labels facing out. And then he would go to get the ice and come back and the labels would be turned back again and the glasses would be upright again. And he thought somebody was pulling a big prank on him for like months and he wasn't happy about it, but he was like, whatever. Then he worked there alone one time. And when he did that same thing and came back and it was like that, he said, oh no, Mm-mm. bye. <laughs> he called the owner and said, you need to come walk up or something because I'm out. He was a Navy guy and he was like, absolutely not. Oh so.
1: my gosh. It reminds of- me of the uh, ballroom and the Stanley Hotel from The Shining, you know, like all all the <laughs> spirits down there dancing and enjoying themselves. You know, it is interesting, these stories of spirits that seem to get territorial about their, you know, energy that's been left there or whatever, as they turn glasses around and push people out of bathrooms. Uh, that's, yeah. And it seems like it's another one of these where multiple people experience stuff in the same area. So at this point in your life, were you a full believer in the paranormal or where were you kind of? Yeah,
3: I I definitely knew there was something. I didn't at this point know what. I you know I still didn't I couldn't define anything. I just knew there was experiences and I knew they were real and I knew that it um, affected me and you know energy wise and I I knew that um, I didn't want to mess with it. I didn't want to try and <laughs> pull it out of anywhere. So yeah, that's basically, I just kind of went along that way, and then um, yeah, I didn't really have any form of belief or anything like that at that point in time.
1: and what age were you when that took place?
3: the um that one I was fifteen,
1: okay. This episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey y'all, it's Noah Daniels, and oh boy, I just got my box of wild grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough, and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads fresh pastas and artisanal pastries every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less no thawing required the next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast and you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can choose any combination of breads pastas and pastries
4: Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back.
1: and you were how old when you you said you were 22 um when you became sober but but how old were you when you started to really have that awakening of you know maybe you have some abilities and really accepted the paranormal supernatural that was around you
3: um yeah it was probably um when i first um got sober i was getting into the religious kind of stuff. And um, it wasn't working for me. So I switched it up a little bit here and there. And then I that's when I started to feel a connection. And that's when I started to be more connected with other people, I could feel their energy, I could feel that they were upset, you know. And so it made me a good person to help other people, you know, and so that's what I just started doing. And I was naturally a caregiver type person, and empathetic type person. So um, that's basically what I did for 20 years, you know, wow.
1: you had the experiences at the the bar and then you kind of begin to grow up and become your own person. Now you went from there to getting married and having children. And then you all moved into a haunted home. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. Um, we, let's see, it was like not long after I got sober. And so I had the four kids and those were their ages. And, um, this house was really awesome because it had a circle where you could run around the kids, just run around that circle. And so when you came in the front door, you could go to the living room on the left or our bedroom. And then through our bedroom was the big bedroom. And there were three kids that slept in there. And there was another little bath bedroom and a bathroom after that. And I had one daughter who slept in there. And then you go back through the big bedroom to the kitchen and to your right is the basement um, steps. I mean, the door to the basement. And they were really steep stairs and they were wooden and, you know, kind of crinkly or whatever you call it. (laughs) And, um, and there was another bathroom with a big bathtub in it. And so every night when the, after the kids were asleep, I would walk around the circle of the house and check all the windows and um the doors and all that kind of stuff. And I had this stuffed panda bear which was probably three feet tall. And when I walked by the front door, it was always sitting right there. And I would pat it on the head and just walk by. It was my little routine. What started me freaking out was that all four of my children started sleeping with their eyes part way open every night. And didn't start right off the bat, but pretty soon it was and then they did it every single night and um so i just kind of went oh well i don't know what to do about that it's weird and um i was freaked out about it but i was trying not to be and um then my one of my daughters tells me that she it was like years later when she stopped sleeping like that so yeah and she just stopped all of a sudden and so when i would do the circle I would pat that panda on the head and then it started being upside down when I walked by. And the when I started my circle, it was by the front door and I the panda was always sitting right there right right up which every night it was right up. I would walk the circle and come back and it would be upside down. But my husband never saw it and he's laying in the bed with a straight vision shot to the front door. So, he was reading, so he could have been oblivious, I don't know, but Um, and then, so that went on. And then my, um, daughter who was in the back bedroom, nobody else would go, wanted to sleep in that room at all. And, um, so, and things would go disappearing, like the hairbrushes and that kind of stuff, kind of causing dissension in the house, you know, Um, who took my hairbrush kind of thing. And there's three girls with long hair. So that was a constant issue. And, um, my son, who was the baby, he would go with me down to do laundry, and I'd set him on the dryer, and um, and so he when he didn't really talk a whole lot of sentences or anything at this point, but he would say he would talk to something named Cow. He would say Cow, and I'm like, "Are you talking to a cow or what's going on?" And this basement was only partway finished. There was cement up, and then there was like dirt above that, but it was a really big basement. And I had set up this um play area for my kids, and nobody would go in it. Nobody would go down there and hang out there. It was a TV and a couch and a really cool place. Nobody would go down there. And um, so anyhow, I would take him down with me and set him on the dryer, and he would talk to this ghost. And so I didn't think anything bad. I didn't get a bad feeling or anything. And um So I just let him babble on while I was doing laundry and, and I'd say, what is he saying? And, you know, he couldn't tell me anything really too detailed. And so, um, I didn't know if it was a cow or if it was a person or, or what. And so one day we went down to do the laundry and I set him up there. No, I still had him on my hip and, um, he looks over in the play area and he said, no cow, no, get my mommy. And I just held tight to him and ran up those rickety old stairs and slammed the door and locked it and called my mother. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so scary. Yeah. Well, it's even we more did. scary
2: because your child's there, too, and your child's yeah. talking to it. And it's, it, yeah. why are all haunted houses filled with creepy basements, by the way?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I thought <laughs> yeah. you were going
1: to say, why are all haunted houses filled with children? I was like, no. I don't know. It's a good point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the but the panda bear thing, like if it's a stuffed panda bear, how do you even put a three foot stuffed panda bear upside down? It's just like, how did it even sit there? Why didn't it fall it over? Was a, it was in a
3: corner. It was leaning just in crazy. the corner. Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah. I mean, how creepy is that? That's like a doll. It's like a stuffed animal. Like I think that's really creepy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, so would you describe as what you all had in that home as like a mischievous ghost?
3: Yeah. And I don't know what was, I never felt anything negative or anything from the basement. Um, my kids did. They did not want to go down there.
1: Your children, as they have grown up or or even from then, have they also kind of inherited that ability that you have to experience the supernatural?
3: Um, my oldest daughter could actually see, like if we, we went down this one road and it was to my mom's house, it's kind of windy, a river on the one side. And she just lost it one time because she said there are dead people standing all over this road as we drive by, keep seeing them. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, yeah. And my mom said, there's been a lot of accidents on that road, a lot of accidents. So she she was just, she lost it and she would never, she said, I never want to see anything like that ever. And she had never before either.
2: How Um, old was your daughter when she said that?
3: 13-ish, 14.
2: Is that when like the clairvoyant stuff's heart starts? Because I feel like that's mostly when your stuff started, although you did have an experience when you're younger, but
3: yeah. I that guess is very scary. What I understand is like puberty time is really yeah you're heightened
1: in your emotions and stuff. And yeah. You beat me to it. I was just about to say, <laughs> Ashley, as uh, being a mother um, and having children, have there ever been moments that have made you kind of like cock your head and be like, what'd you say? Uh, you know, where you thought your kids were experiencing something?
2: No, not at all. Nope, nope, nope. I nope on a rope. I would not be happy. I'd be very <laughs> scared. <laughs> I'm I'm the type of person who like runs and jumps in my bed still because I'm afraid of like, you know, something under my bed. Cause there's, there's something under there for sure. Right. But I've never, I've never had experience. I have had um, the sleep paralysis actually. And I, I always thought that that, or like the dark figure would be the scariest thing like ever, ever, ever. And it happened to me. It was a very short, I believe sleep paralysis experience. I was um, having a little anxiety and I woke up I, or in the dream, I felt like something evil was in the room. And all of a sudden something started coming after me right now. I can't really crawl too much, but it was something kind of evil this entity. And I couldn't move and it kept coming towards me. And I kept saying, like you said, I said something in the terms of like, please, Jesus, let me wake her up. Please God, let me wake up. And I felt this sense of like, I couldn't breathe. And it probably was only a span of like 30 seconds or a minute, but it felt way longer. And then I woke up kind of like, in a tussle, like, Oh my gosh, what just happened? Yeah. Cause you want to believe it was in the dream, but you, f- I felt these real feelings of panic. And then when I woke up, I couldn't catch my breath. It almost felt like a heart attack, but no, my kids have never, kids say a lot of weird stuff, but I have <laughs> three boys and they're they're still kind of young. So, but no, I, I, they haven't, as far as I know. And like you said, I think kids do, even little kids, I feel like are a little more susceptible to that because they don't see the world like we do. They They're a little more open.
1: You know, I think I think the sleep paralysis sometimes triggers that fight or flight. I know uh, sometimes I've I've woken up almost throwing myself off the bed kind of thing that doesn't happen too much anymore. But just from a dream perspective, I had a recording one night of Real Hauntings. I'm having a hard time remembering exactly which episode it was about a year and a half ago, but it involved like some type of possession, that kind of you know, thing like really dark, one of the more dark, like kind of evil episodes we've had. And that night when I went to sleep, I had a nightmare. And this, oddly enough, I remember the nightmare much more than the episode. But I remember being in an old home. And it was like one of those when you walk right into the home, and there's just like these big pillars of like four, you know, one on each wall. And it's just like, this big stoic home. And there was action taking place of talking to people, whatever. And then you know, it was became became clear that the home was haunted. And this demon started pressing down on my chest to the point where I couldn't breathe. And much like you just said, actually, I, I distinctly remember going Jesus rebukes you, which is not something I really have in my vocabulary or think very often, right? I guess it's in my vocabulary, but you (laughs) know what I mean? Um, And I I started like screaming it in the dream as like this pressure became more and more intense. Now, in reality, my wife is laying in the bed next to me and she said, instead of it saying, instead of me saying, Jesus rebukes you, I was going, (laughs) you know, just (laughs) like yelling this crazy stuff. And she woke me up. Uh, and i woke up with like tears and sweat and
2: oh no you know it's
1: just it, it's just interesting how much our mind and you know how your all body. this body yeah, like you is, have is actual
2: experiences in your body yeah. you feel so susceptible when you're sleeping so it's like such a scary feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on our episode tonight. You shared so much with us. This was a real throwback, real hauntings episode. I I thoroughly enjoyed hearing your stories. It's just all all, uh, sometimes an odd thing to tell somebody that's sharing things that sound, you know, fairly traumatic at times, but it's just, it's just so, so interesting. And I think every one of the, these we do, we put another piece to the puzzle in, and we get more questions as well, which makes all of this so fascinating. Do you have any parting words or thoughts for our audience as we wrap up?
3: I just want to say thanks. And I love listening to your podcast and I learned so much. And, and Ashley, I've, I've heard you before, and I really appreciate what you do too. So this podcast I, is awesome.
2: Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. They're all were very different. And, you know, one of them was very vulnerable for you to share And Honestly, it really touched me and I'll take it in and thank you for being so open.
3: Well, thank you. That's, that's what I was going to say is I haven't been able to share any of this except in bits and pieces and for me to open up and do that. It's very healing. I was kind of a wreck about it at first. And then I was like, you know what, this is a good thing. I've heard other people do it. So It sounds like
2: your whole rest of your life you've helped people and with, with your experience and your sobriety. So Kudos to you for taking, you know, experiences that might have been scary for you and doing something really good for it. Thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think this interview will do that as well. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of this podcast that was a unexpected thing that happened is how much people have gotten out of these interviews from a healing perspective or just not feeling alone. And I think your interview will really do that for people. So, yeah, Shirley, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has really been uh, great to get to know you in the short period of time and, and hear your stories. Ashley, uh, thank you also for coming on. It's always a pleasure to get to do this with you. Where can our fans find all of your great content?
2: So I'm um, Ashley King Fitness on Instagram and TikTok. Lots of fun content there. You can always message me. I always message back. And thank you for inviting me again to co-host because this is so much fun. And thank you for Sherlatt for opening up so much. I love these episodes.
1: With that, I'm Noah Daniels.
2: I'm Ashley King.
3: And I'm (laughs) Sherlatt.
0: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice